Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Live With Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel, and today we're going to do a deep dive into what it means to be a woman of God in today's world. First of all, I just want to apologize for the lack of posting episodes lately. I got COVID about a week or so ago and I've been feeling pretty rough and it doesn't seem to want to let go. So if I sound kind of sick today, that's why. But please pray for me and hopefully I am fully healed and restored soon. But anyway, about today's episode... This is actually part two, and in the previous episode, I discussed what it means to be a man of God, and a lot of what I say in this episode could almost be like a continuation of the previous episode. I mean, it would kind of feel a little bit unfair if I talked about what it meant to be a man of God, but not address what it means to be a woman of God, so I'll try and stop myself from repeating too much, but there are some obvious differences between men and women, so some things will be different, but some things will be the same. So let's just get right into it. As I said in the last episode, obviously we need to start with the Bible if we're going to be talking about wanting to be a godly man or woman. And the Bible is a handbook of sorts for anyone who really wants to be that kind of a person. And if you start at the beginning in Genesis chapter one, you'll read how God created man and woman after his own image. And part of being in his image is that we're to reflect God's character. However, Sin has distorted that image and character, so we don't really reflect him very well in our current state now. But if you continue on reading through to Genesis chapter 17, you'll read about how God chose Abraham to be the father or the patriarch of a new nation. And in doing this, he wanted to establish a group of people through which he could actually see his character reflected in again. And he wanted these people to reflect his heart, wisdom, and nature, and ultimately, That is the goal of everyone who wants or strives to be a godly man or a woman. So first step into becoming a godly woman, just like how to become a godly man, is to surrender your life to Jesus authentically. Because Christian essentially means little Christ, and that basically just means a person who is following Jesus. So that's what a Christian is. But why would someone want to follow Jesus? Well, you could probably start by asking the bigger questions, like the more existential ones, like why are you here? Where did you come from? What's your purpose for existing? And if you ask these questions, you'll find that they can all be answered in the Bible. In particular, we are very different from animals because we have been given free moral choice. We've been given a free will. And the Bible tells us that God's law is naturally carved into our hearts. But with our free will, we break that law all the time. And when we break that law, it's called sin. And since God is perfect and heaven is perfect and we're not, so (laughs) because of the sin problem, we are separated from God. That's essentially what that means. Whenever we sin, it means we are stepping away from God. But it's our job to listen to God and to follow his ways. And we need to figure out how to fix that. And we can figure that out by reading what his word says. Life's highest honor is to be pursued by the creator of the universe. And we are offered an invitation to be part of his family and to be known as his child. And God's done this by providing a way to fix that gap of separation. And that's through Jesus Christ. God came to earth in human form. and 
as Jesus, he died on the cross for us and paid for our sins. And when we trust in what Jesus has done for us, God declares that our sins are forgiven and our past is wiped clean and we're able to have a fresh start. And it's not like some flimsy, cheap thing that has happened. It was actually a really big sacrifice. And because of this, we need to understand that we can't earn our way into going to heaven by being a good person. There's no such thing as being a good person or like in our own strengths and just doing good things all the time. Like we can't earn forgiveness that way. We just receive it by faith through grace. And when we accept God's invitation, he wipes away our sin. And then we can finally begin to start reflecting the beauty and the glory of God himself properly. And we need to start growing in faith and wisdom in unique ways. And that's how we do that. That's the journey of being a Christian. I do want to say, though, being Christ-like or godly isn't about doing certain things or behaviors. Like, it's not about legalism. It's not about the habits or the rituals. It's just the daily habit of choosing to seek after God's heart. And that's what godly means. It's godly means to have an inward devotion for God that is eventually displayed on the outside. So when a woman surrenders her life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to be with her and help her through everyday life. And through the help of the Holy Spirit guiding her, she's able to understand the deep things of God when she opens up the Bible and she reads it. And through reading the word, she begins to see life differently. For example, life is no longer about doing whatever makes you happy. It's actually about pleasing God. And she knows that she will stuff up and stumble along the way, like no one's perfect, but she is always ready to get up, dust herself off and strive towards doing better day by day. And like I said, it's not from any kind of legalistic point of view either. The godly woman actually strives towards holiness out of love for God and not because she feels like she has to do this. And her goal is to be holy because God is holy. And trying to be holy and striving on your own in that sense only results in pride and failure. But a godly woman actually learns that when she surrenders what she wants to God, instead she ends up relying on God for strength and everything like that to overcome temptation in her daily life. And the more that she can withstand more temptation and hardship, she is able to accomplish greater and greater goals that she probably never thought was possible before. If we read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, it says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So with that said, a godly woman is also one who doesn't live by the flesh, as the Bible puts it. And what this means is that in this world, we live in our fleshly human bodies and the body itself is very weak. It's very prone to sin and to slipping up and is therefore a gateway to sin in a sense. And our bodies aren't sinful in themselves. That's not what I'm saying. But naturally, we want comfort and happiness and all of these other things. And we tend to, it, we, we tend to give into temptation a whole lot more easier. And the easier that it gets, the more likely we are to be dominated by all kinds of harmful things in the world. So Christians are told to take their old sin nature and figuratively speaking, nail it to the cross. 
meaning that we turn our backs on our old ways of living and we practice saying no to things that are sinful or selfish or just don't lead to Christ-like living. In Romans chapter 6 verses 12 to 14, it says, don't let sin rule your body. After all, your body is bound to die. So don't obey its desires or let any part of it become a slave of evil. Give yourselves to God as people who have been raised from death to life. Make every part of your body a slave that pleases God. Don't let sin keep ruling your lives. You are ruled by God's undeserved grace and not by the law. So you can probably tell by now that God's ways and what the body wants to do are in continual conflict with each other all the time. So our daily calling as Christians is to say no to what the body wants to do, which kind of sounds very silly to some people. Like, why would you want to deny your own free will? Why would you want to deny what feels good for you. But let me just start off by reading Romans chapter 8 verses 12 to 14. It says, my dear friends, we must not live to satisfy our desires. If you do, you will die, but you will live if by the help of God's spirit, you say no to your desires. Only these people who are led by God's spirit are his children. So I hope that kind of answers that question, because when we have been rescued from sin and death, we have a new life with Jesus. So we shouldn't want to run back to whatever God has saved us from. It's it's death. When they say you will die, it's it's meaning spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. And that's bad. And because of sin, like that's what separates us from God. So we're to use our bodies for good purposes now that we've been saved. We're to find our new life in him. And what does that even look like with God? When we're tempted to sin, our decision should already be made up. And that is no. A godly woman actually relies on the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to these things and to say yes to good and godly things, just like the godly man would do also. So she regularly opposes sin and she grows stronger and stronger by the day to the point where temptation gets easier and easier to resist. So that should be incentive enough. Uh, The godly person doesn't want to be separated from God. They want to be living with God. They want to go to heaven and to be with Jesus, the one who saved them. And it's all out of love. So that's why they choose to reject the things of the world and to reject harmful things that get in the way between them and God because they ultimately are choosing their relationship with God is more important than these temporary things in the world. But I do want to say again, even if the godly woman or the godly man ends up sinning and messing up and backsliding and all of those things, and I mean, we all do and we all will do it in our life, but the difference is that the godly woman will immediately repent when they sin. And repent shouldn't be like a big scary word. Repent, just if you look it up in the dictionary, it just means to change your mind, to turn around, to do a 180 degree turn. And that's pretty much it. It essentially means to just choose to start again fresh with God. So hopefully you can see up to this point that most references to godliness don't actually differentiate between uh, the attributes of a godly man or of a godly woman. They're basically the same, but in the same way, but perhaps slightly different. A godly woman exhibits self-control also in many ways. Like obviously the godly man exhibits self-control as well, but for the godly woman, she controls her thoughts, she takes them captive, and she makes them obedient to Christ, as the Bible puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And as difficult as that is, the godly woman is able to control her emotions and she doesn't allow them to control her instead. She controls her appetites and she doesn't overindulge in anything. She also controls her marriage 
mouth, meaning that she's able to control herself with her words and she doesn't always just say whatever she feels like saying, which for me in particular is a very hard thing to do. So we're all learning here. James chapter three, verses two to eight says, all of us do many wrong things, but if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. By putting a bit into the mouth of a horse, we can turn the horse in different directions. It takes strong winds to move a large sailing ship, but the captain uses only a small rudder to make it go in any direction. Our tongues are small too, and yet they brag about big things. It takes only a spark to start a forest fire, and the tongue is like a spark. It is an evil power that dirties the rest of the body and sets a person's entire life on fire with flames that come from hell itself. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures can be tamed or have been tamed, but our tongues get out of control. They are restless and evil and always spreading deadly poison. But also, so one of the evidences of God working in our lives is the ability to control our own thoughts, words, and actions. And that's what this Bible verse that I just read is kind of addressing. So our fallen nature is under the influence of sin and without the power of God's spirit, we're actually incapable of knowing and choosing how best to meet our own needs. And that's because we try to fulfill them in all these other ways, ways that don't really last. They don't last the test of time and they will inevitably enslave us to these destructive habits or these mindsets. I'm sure you've kind of heard of the um, the pathways in the brain where if you do a certain thing over and over and over, it's really hard to break that habit. And so it's the same in this kind of sense as well. But with Jesus and with regular daily habit of choosing Jesus every time, we have freedom from sin. Self-control naturally leads to perseverance as we value the long-term good instead of the instant gratification that the world gives. So self-control is a gift that frees us, but not a lot of people see it that way. But it actually does free us and it, it frees us to enjoy the benefits of a healthy body and a healthy mind. And it frees us to rest in the security of good stewardship of ourselves and what we have. And it also frees us from having a guilty conscience. So self-control actually restricts the indulgence of our immature desires, which is something that we should all want to improve on. We shouldn't want to strive to be immature our whole lives. We should actually strive to want to live in freedom and to love better and to live better as we're meant to. Anyway, moving on to words, the words of a godly woman should always be words of edification, meaning like the betterment or the uplifting kind of words, or like the encouraging words, rather than the words that tear other people down. So I say this because, believe it or not, words have power. And if you read it back in the beginning, God spoke the world into being just by the power of his words. And the Bible also has like a lot of things to say about words. Just read Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. But essentially humans are made in, the, in God's image, like I said. So our words also have power because God's words have power. And our words, they have an impact on people. And this is very clear and evident because we can upset people, we can anger people, or we can choose to build people up and we can choose to encourage them. In that Ephesians verse that I mentioned, the Greek word for unwholesome means rotten or foul and originally referred to rotten fruit or vegetables in in its context. So vulgar humor, dirty jokes and foul language really shouldn't have a place in the life of a Christian. And it's really hard because obviously society, everyone's swearing left, right and center and it affects us. But instead, we're told our words should be characterized by 
only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who actually listen, according to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. So helpful, edifying, meeting needs and beneficial words, these should all be goals for our words. Um, moving on, the Bible also tells us that a godly woman dresses modestly and covers herself with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God, according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. Now, this is like a hotly debated topic, but Christian women should be able to see that the, there's a vanity that comes with being a part of the world. And Christian women should choose to reject this vanity. Uh, a godly woman isn't really fooled by the lies that try to convince her that being outwardly attractive or having lots of money or having a sexy, skinny body or whatever it is will lead to a fulfilled life. She doesn't really rely on her external appearance to get her you know, far in life. It's kind of silly to do so. But instead, her affections and her focus are fixed on Jesus, who is her savior. And she makes every effort to follow in Jesus' example of good works. Again, not in a legalistic sense, as I've said, but good deeds that come from a love of Jesus. So she has a heavenly focus. And by having a heavenly focus, she wants to cover herself in godliness and not worldliness. Every woman has a different definition of modesty, and I'm not really going to get into it right now. I'm just going to keep chugging along. Otherwise, this episode's going to go on forever. But what modesty looks like to you as a woman should be between you and God. So, for example, some women may not feel comfortable wearing a crop top because maybe they <laughs> they have a large chest and they feel like uh, crop tops are too revealing, whereas I've, maybe a woman who doesn't have such a large chest feels like it have, wearing a crop top isn't too revealing. So, for her, it might be more modest. So, it really is between you and God and what you feel God has led you to believe about your own body. But Anyway, I can talk more about it later. Anyway, being a godly woman also means living in purity and reverence. So, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 2-4 to four say, Your husbands will see that you live pure lives when you live with your respect for God. It is not fancy hair, gold jewelry, or fine clothes that should make you beautiful. No, your beauty should come from within you. The beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit that will never be destroyed and is very precious to God. So, kind of like what I said before, but a godly woman knows that her beauty doesn't come from her appearance, but instead she focuses on her inner self. Like, she focuses what's on the inside. And the Bible isn't saying here that outward beauty is something to be ignored at all, but the emphasis is that sometimes a person who looks attractive on the outside might not always be beautiful on the inside, and that person might draw people in for the wrong reasons. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 30 says, Charm and grace are deceptive and superficial beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, reverentially worshipping, obeying, serving, and trusting him with awe-filled respect, she shall be praised. So, a beautiful appearance quickly loses its appeal to those closest to a woman when that woman has poor character. But a woman who walks with God and radiates the glory of God to everyone that she meets, like that's the kind of woman that you want to focus on. When a woman focuses on developing kindness, gentleness, and self-control, you will see that she's becoming more and more like Jesus. I had more things to say about godly women, but if I'm being honest, um, me being sick is kind of catching up with me. So I'm just going to fast forward and just skip some of the things that I had in mind to say. But a few last things that I want to say about godly women is they have a sense 
sincere faith. They're kind. They live honestly and honorably and they have a noble character and they seek to follow the example of other virtuous women. And most references for these other virtuous women can be found in Proverbs 31. And also a godly woman is one who shows good judgment, generosity, and diligence. Now, there is so much more to being a godly woman. Um, I could totally cover all of that. But yeah, as, as I said, uh, my sickness is kind of catching up with me and I think I need to call it for today. But there's so much more to being a godly woman. And I guess in this day and age, there is so much more to being a godly woman than following um, like a particular career path and climbing the, you know, the career ladder or the ability to be at home and just reproduce children and nurture and be submissive. Like there is so much more to being a woman than just those two um, polarizing extremes, I guess. And this is because every human being carries a unique feature of God's own nature. Men and women are equal in the eyes of God, and that's because both of them are made in his image and likeness. There is nowhere in the Bible that insinuates or implies that women are inferior to men, um, but we're actually to glorify God by reflecting his nature to the world, and we both have to do that. Women can revel in God's glory in ways that's unique to their gender, just as men can do it. And I guess in this confusing day and age when gender identity has become a matter of preference, it's really important that those who know and love God and his word remain grounded in his truth. And God has designed men to reflect his glory through biblical manhood. And he's also designed women to reflect other aspects of his glory through biblical womanhood. So men and women have different roles in life, but different roles doesn't necessarily mean different worth. There is no such thing as men is better than women or women are better than men. When we just try to honor God in every part of our lives, we actually end up living together in a harmonious, fulfilling, complementary way. And emphasis on the word complementary, we're to carry out the mission that Jesus gave to all of us. So it's it's equal. <laughs> it's different in some ways, but it's complementary, like I said. So that's where I want to leave it today. Um, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and please keep praying for me and my voice um, and that I will be healed and that COVID will leave my house. But I really hope that you tune in for the next one. I hope I sound better in the next one, but I hope you have a really great rest of your day. Bye, everyone. Bye.